Welcome, welcome. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. Today, I am honored and excited to be with my colleague and friend, Terry McDougall. Terry, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Nikki, I am thrilled to be here today. This is um, really exciting. I agree. I totally agree. And I cannot wait for people to get to know you and your story better. And what better way for us to do that than for me to give you the mic and ask you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and where you're from and how do you keep yourself busy these days? Okay. Well, hello, everyone. I am Terry McDougall, and I am an executive and leadership coach. I work with people who are successful but not satisfied with some aspect of their career. I have been doing this for a little over two years, and before that, I had a 30-year career in the corporate world. I made the decision in 2017 to pivot and start doing something different. Um, there were many reasons why I decided to do that, but probably most importantly that I had struggled um, and I had a lot of empathy for people that really wanted to get ahead in the, in the corporate world and felt like they were smart enough and worked hard enough to do it, but couldn't figure out you know, how to actually do it. So now I, I work with people to learn how to be more effective in the workplace and also to find that sweet spot where professional success and personal happiness intersect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I live and work uh, outside of Chicago and I am married. I've got three kids and a dog. Um, I actually just completed a book called Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms, and I uh, coach people basically um, from middle management up and usually mid-career and, and beyond. Such good stuff. As a fellow coach, I can relate to the ways that you keep busy, and, um, and I am so glad that you exist for the reason that you exist. Um, and to move along into the, the meat of the podcast, as you know, this is a podcast by and for women who've gone through, and some men who have gone through some really rough stuff. I've had three mm -hmm. men on the podcast so far. So what I want to ask you, Terry, is would you please give us a kind of an executive summary of what you went through personally in your life that was extremely challenging and what was the worst part? Well, I, um, I was actually born to a 16-year-old mom who had to drop out of high school. This is back in the early 60s, and she got married to my dad. Um, my dad got a job with the phone company, and, you know, it was, it was good in terms of them being able to put food on the table and everything, but his job had us move. I, I lived in like 40 different places by the time I was in fifth grade. Um, most of that was, you know, before I was in school, but once I got in school, we moved every year. And so that was hard. I mean, I wasn't, you know, we were never around family. My parents were really young and pretty inexperienced. Um, I think that my mom was pretty traumatized by the fact that she had lost so much of her childhood of, you know, having to be a mom and at such an early age. And not only that, she actually had um, another child by the time she was 19, and a third one with my dad by the time that she was, I think, 23. 
So, you know, a mother of three at 23, um, my parents got divorced when I was 12. So it's very funny to think about that she was like 29 and she was a divorcee with three kids. <laughs> um, she got remarried, had another child with her second husband, divorced him. And, you know, what I, what I recognized, especially after my parents got divorced, was that my mother was, um, what I found out later was mentally ill. Um, I didn't recognize that there was any diagnosis for it at the time, but I did know that she was extremely um, unpredictable. She, she was very, um, you know, kind of all over the place emotional, emotionally, and um, it made it really difficult to understand how to, how to be. And it was, um, you know, going through the pain of having our family break up and then having to deal firsthand with my mom. I think my dad had really buffered a lot of her, you know, emotional, um, I guess, instability. Um, but once he was out of the picture, it came full force at me and my sisters. And, um, you know, as a, as a young woman, as a child and then a young woman, I really yearned for the love and acceptance of my mother. And I tried many, many things to try to get that. And um, when I became a mother myself, I finally recognized that although I deserve to have that kind of love and acceptance and to have the nice mommy, <laughs> that I was never going to get it from her. And so in um, actually in my early 30s, it took me that long to actually figure it out. It's hard, it's hard to, to give up on the dream of having that kind of love and acceptance. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually had a, I'll just tell the story really quickly. Um, my husband and I, uh, we grew up in like Maryland and Delaware and we lived in North Carolina at this time. I had gotten a job after I got out of business school with a bank down there and we were married, had our first house, had our first child. And my mother had done something that really upset me. She just has, she has a way of, I mean, even now, I actually don't have contact with her now, but um, she had a way of really upsetting me very deeply. And she had done something and I was actually laying in bed crying about it. And my husband and my little baby son, who was like a year old, were in the kitchen and he was feeding my son breakfast. And I'm laying in bed crying and I'm laying there and I can hear them you know, my son laughing and my husband like having a good time with them. And it finally snapped me out of it. And I was like, what the fuck? I got up, I went in the other room. My mother had actually sent me a gift and this was the thing that had upset me. And I picked it up. I threw it in the box. I wrote this note, like, don't contact me again and stop, you know, trying to manipulate me. You're not going to have free rent in my head anymore. And I said to my husband, I want you to send this back. And that was like the beginning of my own life with myself and it was the beginning of a what's been a long healing process but it's been um really beautiful right because i i didn't allow her to suck the energy out of me anymore which she had done for so long and i was able to you know like plug the holes and rechannel the energy towards doing the things that i wanted to do and you know i began validating that my own desires for what I wanted out of my life were good enough. 
and now that you know as a coach now I really try to to encourage other people to recognize that this is the truth we're all here for a reason we're all valid we all have something to give and it's not up to anybody else to judge us on whether that's good enough or not agreed and that's that is a really moving and, and um, an incredible story and in the way that you tell it, it makes me think about how um, going through a life-shattering experience and processing it and healing from it and recovering from it and then staging what I call an epic comeback doesn't necessarily happen in close sequence, right? Mm -hmm. We can go through something as a child and really truly not process it until decades later. And it's, right still there as um it's still there as juicy content for us to work mm -hmm. with and yeah. I think this is true of you as it is true of me and other coaches is when you kind of discover the world of personal development or what some you know what may be called mm -hmm. self-help or working with a coach and growing into yourself kind of growing into mm -hmm. your ideal self which is a process that, um, that coaching is all about that. It's about growing and progressing and, and reaching goals. Mm -hmm. That in that process, there's plenty of data and plenty of potentially trauma for us to mine when we're going through the process <laughs> oh, that's the truth. later on in adulthood, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's still there. And I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. how the imprint of difficult childhood stuff is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, you, you, how you reached that turning point and you said, done. I have had yeah. experiences before and it's, it's a, it is a turning point. And, and, yeah. and you know that something either has to change and you're about to go make that happen or something has just changed. Yeah. And I would say too that, you know, I, I wish that I could say that, okay, that was the end. Like I never looked back, but she and I had many, you know, not many, I'd say several encounters after that. You know, you don't let an, a relationship like that go. I mean, I, you don't let it go easily, right? I mean, that's no. probably the most important, you know, uh, relationship that forms you. And there were many, it, here's one of the things that I guess I've, I've come to recognize, and it's not easy, is that there's some very wonderful things about my mother. She's intelligent, beautiful, very smart. She wanted really good things for me. And I am the person I am today because, there is my daughter, um, <laughs> um, because of what she did for me. But she also was extremely damaging. And I think in the beginning, when I was first starting to process this, I couldn't recognize that both of these things could be true at the same time. Yes. You know, I really looked at it in a really black and white way. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I mean, I could, I could rattle off like a huge long list of all of the things that I've been through <laughs> to try to heal from this. You know, I, I actually did the dialectical behavior training, which actually people with borderline personality go through, which is really all about understanding that two things can be true at the same time, yeah. you know, because a lot of times with, you know, people who have borderline or suffer from that, it's very black and white thinking. It's either you're all great or you're all horrible, right? And we all are just a mix of many things, right? Yeah. 
We are and, it's that both and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think that that was, it was really difficult to, um, to be the child of somebody that couldn't see that, right? Because it was always about staying on your toes and, you know, walking on eggshells and being fearful that um, anything that I might do could set her off. And often it was not any, you really couldn't predict what it might be. Yeah. It could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. You know, it was all about kind of a skewed perception of reality on her part. Yep. Yeah. And one thing that I believe is that it takes a ton of strength, just human strength. First of all, um, in my opinion, on your situation as a child to survive mm -hmm. the situation. And then later on as an adult to do the work because it is work. To sure. do the work, you have to have the openness and then you have to do the work. It is not easy to be in productive therapy. It is not easy to mm -hmm. work with a coach productively. It is not easy to work your way through a self-help book and really take it seriously and right. do all the exercises and, and, and get to that place of self-knowledge and self-realization and then implementing your dreams and goals, all that stuff. It's not easy, it's work. And it takes so right. much strength. And based on that, and given what you've gone through and where you are now, what's the best thing about where you are now in terms of your relationship with yourself and, mm -hmm. and just where you are relative to the difficulties that you went through? Yeah, you know, um, you know it's, it, I, I just want to say this before I answer your question that a couple things that you've said just remind me that the, the healing process is like peeling an onion right that that you probably never finish and no. you just have to keep at it and um th another point i want to make is that you're absolutely right like what it took to survive meant meant really um like almost just creating this armor that i wore in life and the the cost of that was me I was hyper vigilant. Like I was always looking for who was going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, and even though I was successful at school and I went on to a good university and I did well in, you know, in my career, I, um, I never quite felt comfortable just like being in my skin. I didn't laugh easily. I didn't, you know, I was always just kind of looking around like, okay, who's going to, who might want to hurt me? And that takes a lot of energy. And the big difference between me, you know, 15 years ago, or maybe even 10 years ago, and now is that I feel very comfortable in my skin. I do not, I've taken the armor off. I am showing up as me. I feel fine. I laugh much more easily. I am doing stuff that's fun. Um, I am following my heart. I'm being creative. And, you know, it, it's been a long journey and there have been many wonderful people that have helped me along the way. But I'm, you know, I'm really thankful that I've kept at it and that I just kept peeling the onion to get to me. <laughs> this is the epic comeback part. It's my yeah. favorite part. And what yeah. you said is, is a great segue into my next question because you were talking about people who've helped you along the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, 
who are some other warriors like you who have come through some real absolute caca and who've gotten to the other side and, and could be good guests on my podcast? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple people that I can think of. And actually, you know, in my book, I interviewed 10 people and there are three that come to mind right off the bat. Um, there's a, a friend um, and former colleague named Laura who went through some pretty tough times as a child and also some recently some relationship issues um, who now has her own company and, you know, is kind of living her life, uh, you know, freely and, and, and gr in a great way. Um, and then there's another woman that um, I know who I, I call Colette in the book, um, who unfortunately um, found herself married to someone who uh, was an addict who was squandering her money, her family's money. She didn't even realize it. Um, and that she, she actually had five children and decided she needed to get divorced from him. She actually um, went back to school while she was getting divorced and uh, got an additional degree that was going to help her. Um, she now owns her own construction company. She's doing really well. Um, and you know, I actually look at her and think that, like, that's an epic comeback. <laughs> you know, she's, she's thriving now, which I'm just th thrilled to see. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much. And I'll follow up with you about getting in touch with them. So, Terry, the essence of this podcast really is, is this question. Given what you have gone through and the, the tough stuff as well as the process of working through it, recovering from it, moving on from it. What is one piece of advice you would give to people who are in crisis right now, who are, and let's say to adults who are in crisis right now, not mm -hmm. so much advice yeah, sure. who are going through trauma, but adults yeah. who are going through traumatic situations and they're saying, how on earth do I get to the other side of this? You know, I, I would say Start with what you feel like you have tolerance for. I mean, in the beginning, I was reading books. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could expose myself to going to therapy. I, because I was so hypervigilant and I was so sort of defensive, I didn't know if I could trust you know, I had learned that I couldn't trust people that should have been trustworthy in my life, my life. And so I started with books to, to learn. And then I just kept progressing. I went on to therapy and then I did like a week long retreat that was sort of a, actually that was a really life altering program that I went through. And then I did Reiki because I found that like therapy wasn't releasing some of the trapped energy that I had from childhood in my body. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really meaningful. So, you know, don't feel like you have to take a jump off the high dive. You can dip your toe in the baby end of the pool. And just as you start to peel the onion and as you start to heal, you can just go at your own pace. And I, I would also say that, you know, like when it comes to, to therapy and a lot of these things that I did, very often I would do it for a while and then I would stop because I had to digest. I had to live my life. You know, you've got to, to like get the perspective of where you are now and then you can decide, okay, now I'm ready to take another, you know, take another dive or another swing at the piata, pinata. <laughs> another swing at yeah. the pinata. Terry, I love that so much. Listening to you, 
I, I think listening to you, if I were in the midst of a major crisis, that would give me some relief and, and also give me a sense of agency in my own process. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to do the whole slew and like go and live in a monastery for a year Yeah. <laughs> in, order yeah. To, in order to deal with yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't you know, have to like head to the ashram. Yeah, one of the things that I, I would say is that um, when I was in the middle of, you know, some of the painful parts of the journey, sometimes I got really frustrated because I felt like I wasn't making progress. Yeah. You know, I felt because the progress is very gradual. And if you've got, if you have something that's been in place for a long time, and it's almost like you've been sitting in like poison for a long time, it takes a while to detox from it. Yes. And it's really hard to sit, to tell like, okay, if you're like super, po- you know, really poisoned, or if you're just, you know, a little bit poisoned, it still feels like crap, right? And but you just have to keep doing the things and realize that it's going to be gradual. And you know, if I look back to the to those day that day, you know, when my my son's twenty two years old now, um, so that was twenty one years ago that that day happened, and um, you know, had I known at that moment, like, okay, it's going to take you twenty one years to get to a place where you're like laughing easily. Maybe that would have felt like a long time, but every step of the way was getting better and better and better, um, you know, and so it was worth it, you know, and, and then plus, what do you have it to compare, compare it to? Like, I expect that in the future, it's going to get even better than this, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So just, I, I'd say have the, you know, hope and the optimism that it can be better and you have the capability to make it better as long as you believe in yourself and you love yourself. And even if you're not feeling like you can find people who do, because I'm sure that there are people around you that love you and can see the light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't. Absolutely. And you might not even know who those people are necessarily. Right. You might not have met them and, and they, have a way, I believe, of coming into your life when when you're looking and when you have some level of openness. When yeah, yeah, it's very true. I I'd like to um, tell tell you something about um, when I left my job in 2017. I had been kind of in a bit of a toxic environment there, but um, I decided I wanted to do a few things that were fun for me, and so I I did some programs at Second City, and one of the ones that I did was a storytelling class, and they encouraged us to tell stories from our life, and so every night I'd have, it it was like an intensive, so I was going for like three hours a day, five days, and uh, there were about 10 people in the class, and we'd get an assignment every day, and we'd have to go home and come up with a story to tell the next day, and for whatever reason, I think because I was processing this stuff, um, a lot of stories from my interactions with my mom came up and I I really hesitated to tell them because you know I over the years had had to get used to the idea that my mother's view of me wasn't the view of me like because she she always wanted to control the narrative and you know she would call me selfish and difficult and many other things because it was you know it was all about her Um, but I had the courage to tell these stories and to be seen and the thing that was really wonderful about it was that um, after telling 
um, actually it was sort of that story that I told earlier about my son, it was a little bit more involved. And um, a couple people came up to me out of a class of 10 people came up to me and said, you know, thanks for telling that story. I understand because I had people in my family like that too. And so, you know, sometimes we can feel like we're the only ones, yeah. but there's a lot of, you know, there are many people around us that, that seem normal, that seem super, I mean, we're all I'm not saying that you're abnormal if you've had to go through this, but that we could never understand what they've also been through. And many people have been through a lot of trauma and you can't tell from looking at them, but if you're, if you're willing to be seen, others will step up and they might be a little further down the path than you and they can serve as, you know, an encourager um, yes. or friend, you know, so. Yep. Yep. I call that aspirational support. So getting support from people who've been there and, and mm -hmm. gone through it and are now yeah. on the side. So, so that you as the person who's going through it, you can aspire to, you see, you know, people like you and me on this podcast. That's what this podcast is. This yeah. podcast is aspirational support for people who are going through crisis right now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I, that you can get to the, you can get to the other side because this is now maybe, I think it's my 105th episode that I've recorded. Oh, wow. <laughs> everyone, everyone is proof that, that an epic comeback is completely possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that is so cool. 105 episodes. That's so great, Nikki. It's, um, yeah, it's awesome. And I've learned so much. I'm so grateful for, I mean, really, this is, this is a form of qualitative research. That's not why I started the podcast, but this is a form of qualitative research that helps me so much in my work and helps me so much in my own processing of my own stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I, I did a lot of um, online support groups when I first discovered, you know, what was the likely diagnosis of my mom and helping other people actually helped me to understand my own situation yes. much better than, you know, anything else. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something that you said that, that kind of Oh, I know what it is that I feel like helping other people actually makes the fact that I went through this worth it. It, it, it lends meaning to it, yes. right? Because I can be very empathetic. Nothing really shocks me. You know, when people say to me like, oh my God, you know, they'd say something as a coach, you know, often people are bringing things to me that they feel shame around. Yep. And I'm like, I've heard so much and I don't judge, right? I mean, I know that shit happens and like a lot of crazy and horrible stuff happens, but we are all very resilient, you know, and we can come back from these things, you know, it, it's, but I think that what's really important is to as much as possible to love ourselves and to, to, to be there for ourselves and to take action that is supportive of the beautiful people that we are. And I'm talking about everybody, you know? That's gorgeous. That, that, no, that, that phenomenon is beautiful. And based on my memories of coaching school and based on how much I've, how much time I've spent with other coaches, I think it's um, at least I've observed that it's common that people who are drawn to coaching and people who are drawn, I think, to therapy and drawn to teaching and drawn to mm -hmm. 
service-oriented and personal development-oriented professions is that I think, I think it's common for people who are drawn to the professions to have gone through some pretty deep junk, some pretty deep caca. Yeah. Gone through that process because helping other people helps me. Helping other people um, helps me process my own stuff, which isn't to say that my attention isn't on my clients because it is. It's just true that, um, that it's not necessarily this fully altruistic thing where, you know, where it, it's so rewarding to be in a profession like ours. Oh yeah. Absolutely. As long as you're open to that kind, as long as you enjoy that kind of reward, you know, seeing someone well, else. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I think I feel like I'm helping to make the world a better place. Right. Because I think that as each of us can step fully into who we are and what our potential is. I mean, we're, I look at it like we're all here for a reason. And if we're not fulfilling that, we're actually kind of um, depriving the world of what it, what it really could be. You know, if we can all step up and be who we are and throw off the things that bind us or keep us from being that, it's going to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Up levels. The yeah. Universe. Yeah, exactly. Up levels the universe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I completely believe that. That's totally the idea. All right. Well, we are beyond running out of time, but I don't care because it's my podcast. <laughs> I'm going to ask you for a quick answer to this question, which is, um, Terry, if you could have any superpower that you don't already have, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's, that's a, um, you know, okay. This is, let me think. Cause I actually feel like I already have like a super attuned intuitive superpower. Uh, I am able to see things that I don't know how I'm able to, but, um, yeah. I think I'd like to fly. <laughs> I wish, I wish it was, I just think it would be fun, right. To be free and to just be able to like see things from a different perspective. It would be so cool. Rock on. I love it. Terry, where can we find you? Uh -huh. First of all, thank you for being my guest. And where can we find you so we can follow you and buy your book and hang out with Terry? Yeah, I, um, well, thank you for having me on. You can find me on my website at terrybmcdougal.com. And that's Terry with a Y, B as in boy, and then McDougal, just MC with two L's. Um, dot com. And I am also pretty active on LinkedIn. I, I post videos and articles quite often on LinkedIn. And then my book is coming out in April. And I actually have kind of a dummy copy of it right here. It's called Winning the Game of Work. It's coming out the first week in April, and it will be available on Amazon and on uh, barnesandnoble.com. Awesome. Winning the Game of Work. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Fantastic. So this is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast. For more information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life, please go to theepiccomeback.com.